So we are live and very, very excited to be speaking to you today, comic book fans, because we have a brand new segment here at Lousy With that we're calling Comic Conversations. And I'm incredibly privileged to have the opportunity to be speaking with creator and artist Emma Kubert. Now, if you don't recognize the name, she's an incredibly talented up and coming young artist behind the successful Kickstarter campaign Willowbrook. You can see her work in DC Superhero Girls and Teen Titans Go. And she also just so happens to have a brand new book out courtesy of Image Comics called Inkblot with co-creator Rusty Glad. And that is why we are gathered here today. So Emma, it is a privilege. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Honestly, it's like I said, so, so excited to be to be speaking to you today. Um, how are things in, in your end of the world? You're in you're in California, you were saying to me, right? Yeah, uh, I'm in Southern California, which is basically on fire right now. Um, but yeah, not really a difference because I just stay inside all day anyway. So. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're that you're staying safe. Yeah. And um and you know that everyone's good and, and all that and this this crazy world and these crazy times that we are living in and i guess the best place to start right away is to just say congratulations to you and and to rusty because tomorrow <laughs> new comic book day we're getting the second second printing of inkblot i know i'm so excited for you guys to get that i mean the cover is really something that was very special so it's really exciting for for it to even go to a second printing, let alone have, you know, this famous artist that I've heard of draw this amazing cover. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I, I kind of know where you're coming from in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. And I also have to think that, that that has to be incredibly meta for you on, on some level to have your father illustrating the cover of a book that it, like, it, it's yours, you know what I mean? It, it's your name on, on the title page. Like, that's, like, what does that feel like? It's honestly the most insane feeling I could ever imagine. I mean, even growing up, you know, I grew up in this big comic book family, but I only knew them as really my family. And I always thought of them as the most amazing people ever. And then they're growing up and I mean, I'm growing up and they're doing what they want to do with their life and being successful at it. So that's kind of where that really stemmed from. And just seeing that growing up, you know, that's what you want to do. And then, you know, I start my career and I really am just in the beginning of my career. And then I have a cover done by the person that I admire. So it's, it's, Incredible. <laughs> well, I mean, to say to say the very least, I mean, that you're beginning your career. You've only graduated Qbert. It was 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So to to it be now, you know, just you know, a little bit, maybe three quarters of the way through 2020, to be where you are is is an incredible statement to to your talent and to your drive as an artist. Um. Yeah. Definite. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I just said yes to that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you should say yes. You should. I, I meant to say it's, I would say a lot of it, yeah, you know, like I'm the kind of person that likes to uh, hit the ground running. So even as soon as I was like at the end of my third year at school, I was starting to try and to get work and everything. Um, and from there, I mean, it's been a very touch and go, but I would say that you know, getting this image title is, was really lucky, 
<laughs> just because there are so many great ideas out there in the world and and they saw something in inkblot which was very amazing <laughs> well and and i couldn't agree more with you and and i really do think that it that there's just something to be said because you know comics is really a unique industry in that when we're talking about sales we're still talking about physical sales at the end of the day you know yeah. when we talk about music and albums we're talking about streams by and large it's almost completely digital and, and comics is still if you want to have if you want this book you have to walk to your local comic book <laughs> store pay money and and you know what i mean and the I, fact that in the time of a global pandemic that you were able to go to a second printing is phenomenal it is i mean it seems like you know a lot of people are staying home and reading comics i i like what i as of what i've seen i mean a lot of the indoor stuff you know like books and games and puzzles and all that kind of stuff has really been doing well in the pandemic because you know people have to stay entertained somehow <laughs> um but I would just say we're just really lucky. I mean, that that part of it, I really wouldn't put up to working hard. That's that's very much a luck type thing. You need to be a little lucky to make it in the world anyway. So <laughs> for sure. Now, just one thing I also wanted to ask, um, because, again, like I said, it's, it's a unique kind of a situation. So was it sort of like, uh, hey, you know, Dad, if we happen to go to second printing, you owe me a, a cover or, or something like that. Or, or how did that conversation exactly come to be? Well, I mean, this is kind of like my first real title, like by myself. This is by Emma Cuber and Rusty Glad. And I mean, my dad. He wanted to do it. So it really just came down to him saying, you know, like I like I want to do it. And the timing just worked out really well. So he was able to do it. Um, and then I was really excited to color over it. So <laughs> that was exciting. But, you know, you have the colors and then he, he has to look at it and make sure it's perfect, of course. <laughs> but I don't know. It was, it was really just, it kind of just lined up. I remember months ago him saying like, I wanted to do some sort of variant cover and I wasn't sure who, and we, we had to pay out of pocket or something like that. And he was, he seemed like he wanted to do it. So it was kind of just a timing thing, really mm -hmm. how that worked out. And then when we went into, when they announced like, we're going to be doing second printing, it was kind of like, okay, this is the time to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. Definitely uh, the stars aligned on that one, to say the least. Yeah. As I said, luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, um, now I promise I'm, I'm only going to say this once, and, I, and I, I'm not going to mention it again, but we've already kind of loosely alluded uh, to this, you know, in just the kind of our, our conversation thus far. But for anyone who may happen to not know, you are, of course, the granddaughter of, of Joe Kubert. Your father, whom we've been just speaking about, is, is Andy. Um, your uncle, your, your, your whole family is essentially... Um, kind of embedded into the foundation of, of the comics. <laughs> so my question to you, mm -hmm. how tired are you of being referred to as comic book royalty? I'm a little tired of it. It's I, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine like, like the word royalty next to comics, you know, it just doesn't mm -hmm. sound, 
it it doesn't sound right in my ears for some reason. Um, I, I think for me, I mean, I really pride myself being a part of this family. This, if no one really knows the Hubert family, I mean, they're an amazing bunch. It it doesn't just come down to you know talent or um, being able to draw really, it really comes down to hard work and being humble in what you do and loving every step of the way. And that's something that I saw my parents do growing up. I saw my grandpa doing that, no matter it being art or science or whatever it is. But the fact that they loved doing what they did every single day of their life and they were successful at it really can you know, influence a person. And especially when I was younger, I took to art when I was really young. I loved drawing. I I didn't necessarily love comics, but I loved art. I loved drawing. I loved storytelling. So seeing, you know, people in my immediate family being able to do that made me want to do it. And I don't know what the, what the, world sees I guess I don't know what the comic book world sees but that's what I see and that's why I don't mind it when people call me that I guess but I don't that's not really how I view it <laughs> for sure and and by no means make make no mistake it, it is not that you're not worthy of the title I'm just saying I've I've probably watched which is also very interesting about you is that you're very you've been very busy you've done quite a lot of interviews in the past month i've been watching a ton of your videos and kind of trying to get a ton of kind of your backstory and piled up (laughs) yeah yeah no which is why i'm saying i'm so glad you were able to speak with me today but i was like wow i was like if this you know if this young woman gets called comic book royalty one more time i bet her head is probably going to explode you're not wrong i guess (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I don't mind it. It's it's just something that I probably wouldn't call myself. For really. Sure. <laughs> For sure. And, um, you know, just this actually kind of rolls into my next question because you actually touched on it because, um, like I said, just in kind of my, you know, doing okay. trying to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I, I know that you said that comics, ironically, were something that you, you didn't have a love for right away. It was something that you found later in life. Your kind of first love was was animation. And, yeah. and I remember you saying as well that you kind of had a hard time identifying with the kind of muscle bound alpha that's, male characters. Yeah, that's exactly really like when I look back on, you know, because I actually ask myself this question a lot, like why wasn't I into comics when I was younger? Because everything about comics is what I love now. And like creating comics, reading comics, all of it is, it's really exciting to me now. And I'm wondering like why I didn't see it when I was younger. And it was really because I wasn't really exposed to a lot of different stories in comics. I was more exposed to like, as I said, Batman, Superman, like Marvel Avengers, like all that kind of stuff. And me being a young female who didn't really care about large muscled men, you know, I, I didn't see really a lot of things in there for me. I mean, the box of comics that my dad would bring home, I'd go for like the Cartoon Network comics, like, you know, Scooby-Doo and, and, uh, 
I was about to say Pokemon, but that's not right. <laughs> that doesn't go with that. <laughs> but Scooby Doo, Jetsons, I, 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 yeah, I got gotcha. like you. Kind of Cartoon Network, uh, Powerpuff Girls is another one. Um, but that was really the type of stuff that I liked. And another comic that I loved was Calvin and Hobbes growing up. I loved Far Side, like newspaper strip type of stuff. But there wasn't really, for me, I mean, when I was younger, I didn't really see any in between from like those types of cartoons to like the grown up superhero stuff. I didn't really see any of that in between that they're now creating today. So it was just kind of like, I think I just missed my offer. Like I just missed it because there wasn't stories available for me specifically. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I found that I'm tailoring my career into is creating stories that my like 12 year old self would read. Yeah. I really, really like it. I mean, that's, that's why I love creating Inkblot and that's why I loved doing DC superhero girls and all that kind of stuff is because these are stories that I would have read when I was younger. And that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 100%. I, I completely understand what you're saying. <laughs> and one thing I, I also wanted to ask, because I obviously, you know, I, I have no idea what it's like growing up with, with uh, you know, a family of, of such esteemed artists like you, but I do have a slight understanding of what it maybe feels like to be a legacy. Like I, I come from a long line of my grandfather was a teacher, my mother was a teacher. So it was very much expected that I was going to be a teacher and I didn't necessarily like that. Did you ever have that growing up? Was it ever, do you ever feel that maybe some of the reason why you kind of had an aversion to comics, was it almost like a way of rebellion in a a certain way or or is that not really it? No, definitely. I mean, like, here's the thing is that I always loved art, but I didn't know what kind of art I wanted to get into. And I knew like, as soon as I decided that I wanted to go into comics, I'd just be constantly surrounded by it. So I think what I really needed to do was get out, discover more things for myself. And then, you know, I found my way back to comics. But that's when I was in high school, I decided to go to Savannah College of Art and Design for animation. And I minored in storyboarding. But when I went down there, I had a lot of great experiences that I would never take back. But... that's where I realized that animation wasn't really for me. I'm more like uh, the pre-production part where you have like all the storyboarding, concept art, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then I realized, you know, in comics, you can do all of that yourself and create your own stories and do everything yourself, however you want to do it. And I like that. (laughs) Yeah, That's what I, I really liked about it is that sure. I had like full creative control when, when I decided that I wanted to go to the Kubert school, I needed to draw more and learn more about storytelling and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's when I was really like, okay, I have control and I can create my own stories, which was really exciting because that was also around the time when the comics industry and the world really were was changing for the better you know we're constant like right now we're in this social movement we're trying to include all minorities all people and i think in comics we can do that too and that's 
that's something that brought me into comics really is figuring out that it doesn't have to just be one genre. It can be so many different ones that can be so good. And yeah, I want to make good stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I definitely say that you're, you're well on your way. Now, <laughs> once again, I, I just think, cause again, we're, we're kind of just rolling into to one question into the other quite nicely. Yes. <laughs> what's, what's it like going to a school with your name on the door? Well, I would say that's probably the main reason why I didn't go right away. Um, I think most people who go to the Kubert School, you know, they either are really big comic fans and they want to learn more about it. Um, but a lot of people don't expect how hard the Kubert School is because you are, you're drawing, like you're doing two classes a day, 10 classes a week. You're drawing about like 10 to 14 hours a day trying to just hone in your craft and make as many drawings as you can so you can get better. So it's really hard. I <laughs> and I think a lot of people, you know, going into the school don't really realize it, but I knew that my entire life. So it was kind of like it wasn't something that I really saw myself wanting to do until I knew that I had to if I wanted to if I wanted a career in art if I wanted to really be good at it and mm -hmm. that's that was kind of like the the moment of I quote air quotes defeat <laughs> where I decided to go back to school and I mean back to the Cuba school and just go through that program really um, I would say very much in the beginning I had more friends that were teachers than actual peers but um <laughs> it, it, it worked out <laughs> well no and and honestly i'm funny enough my next question was did you ever feel alienated by your fellow classmates honestly i mean not really i had a really good class and at the cuber school you stay with the same class most likely um you stay with the same class all three years so you get to know the people in there and you get to know their strengths and weaknesses and you're able to really help each other um i mean i didn't i didn't even tell anyone that my last name was cubert mm -hmm. just maybe they would shout it out in attendance but i really didn't say anything and it just mm -hmm. kind of like organically made friends and Again, it's also kind of like, yeah, this is the school like that my family created, but it's also comic books and everyone there is into comic books and just pop culture and, and so much exciting stuff that like, who cares where any one of us come from? It's, we're there to learn, we're there to get better and we're having fun doing it, so. I, it wasn't really the biggest of deals. I mean, maybe if I were in a different classroom, it might have been a bigger deal, but that specific one, it was, it was really awesome. That's actually the class that uh, Rusty and I met in, so we were in the same class at the Cuber School. Excellent, excellent, yeah. And this was a story that you guys, well, I know that this was essentially something that you had formulated kind of on your own, and, and he kind of came in to kind of help you tweak yes. the kind of final, Finishing touches, I guess yeah. we should say, correct? Well, kind of. I mean, I would say uh, I started to create 
inkblot while I was in school um, at the Kubert School, you know, you have these assignments that a lot of the teachers like to keep open so you're able to really do whatever you want to do or gear it towards wherever you want to go. So if you really wanted to be like an artist for the big two, you, you're able to like draw those characters or you can draw your own characters, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so a lot of the assignments, they would encourage us to draw our own characters and our own stories. So me, loving cats, loving witches, loving all things spooky. I just start drawing this girl with a black cat with giant eyes. <laughs> and it just kind of evolved from there where I just started to create the story. But as I was creating it, I mean, I ran into, you know, some problems. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you create stories, you kind of run into roadblocks, especially big stories like this. Um, and then after school, you know, I, I did the Kickstarter Willowbrook, which is actually what Inkblot was before it was Inkblot. And it was kind of the idea that I had before Inkblot. And then after Willowbrook, we were coming up with the pitch for Image. And that's when Rusty came in and he brought basically like, I have the more young adult YA type of side to Inkblot while he brought in the high fantasy aspect. Like he was the one to really bring in, you know, the sorcery, the worlds, so like all of the things that made this universe even bigger than it was. So it was kind of like, without him, I wouldn't have Inkblot. So I want to say finishing touches, I would say like basically half of it. Right. <laughs> It's no, like and very much developed together. But certainly, certainly. Created by me, I guess. <laughs> For sure. No, no. And I, by no means, was I trying to, you know, kind of no, undermine no, what he was I, doing. I didn't think that at all. <laughs> no, no, because I know he's a big kind of, and that's the nice thing about it too. It's very much, you know, like you pencil, he inks, you color, he puts the words to it. It seems like a very, very give and take, and more so, I think, than I've ever seen. It, it really is the art that tells the story in this book. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how we definitely wanted it to go because I, I mean, of course the family that I grew up in, I mean, I pride myself in storytelling and that's the kind of, that's what I would say is more my specialty is I'm able to tell stories, not through words, but more through pictures while Rusty is more of like the detail oriented and he's more of the writer. So he's able to actually put the words to those drawings. But something that's really cool is that in Inkblot, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I hope people, you know, they read the first issue, so I'm not like totally spoiling anything, but you have like the seeker's narration over the artwork that's, you know, story-like. And in future issues, they're like totally separate, but it's still a complete story, which is the part that I really love about it, that the art is able to tell a story while you're reading it, which is just, it's supposed, like comics are supposed to be cinematic, you know? Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to just be a novel that you're reading. They're not supposed just be pictures it's all together it's an experience it should feel like you're reading like a tv show or a movie and that's the feeling that i wanted you know the people reading to really get <laughs> 
And I think that that comes through really clearly. And I think what's really great about you guys is that a lot of times in comics and whether it's the industry that sets the standard or whether it's the, the team themselves, but there's, there's a hierarchy and, and, and it seems like we, we kind of put writers here, artists here, and then everyone else kind of falls by the wayside, it seems, unfortunately. Yeah. And it seems like with you guys, even, the, even something so subtle and so slight as just the fact that when you look at that issue and your name reads left to right, you know, when the artist's name read left as opposed to the writer, that was one of the first times I had ever seen that as a comic book fan. Really? Really. And I mean, that's just, I mean, I understand that that's not necessarily a large detail, but I think that that really shows the kind of chemistry and the synergy that you have is that there isn't ego. There isn't, well, I'm the writer, so my name goes first type of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just. It's very much a collaborative experience. I mean, that's how we wanted to do it because there would be no ink blot without the both of us. And I mean, we're both storytellers, not just, you know, through words, but through pictures as well. And we just really played to our strengths. I mean, Rusty and I, we spent three years together at school and then three years, two years, I don't know, afterwards. And it, you get to know a person <laughs> and you get to know them. And especially if you're working on a project with them, especially a project that you're both really, really passionate and you both really love, you're not trying to like demean anything. You want it to be the best possible thing ever. So you want compromise. You want to, you know, make it together and decide things together so that it's a product that we both put out as the two of us. <laughs> no, no. And my next question, and I, and I hope it's okay that I, and I only mention this just because I heard, or I heard you mention it. So I, I just, obviously I, I know that the two of you are also in a, a relationship as well, not just a professional relationship. So what is the best and worst thing about making a comic with your significant other? I would say, well, I would say the worst thing was basically just in the beginning when we were creating it, just figuring out like where, where the line is and which job is which job. It was really just a lot of hashing out, you know, as I said before, compromising a lot of talking things through just because as I said before, we're, we're both not trying to demean each other. You know, we're, we don't have egos in this situation. We're really just trying to make the best product that we can. And it's also to not take things so personally, especially when it is about a project that we both want to make. But that was really hashed out just in the beginning of creating Inkblot. I mean, now we're, easily in a flow and we're just cranking out pages and I would say that's the best part is that we're over that part and I mean I think every group no matter what the personal relationship is you know they they have problems like everyone has their creative differences but I think the best part about having a creative difference with the person that you're actually you know you like is that you know for a fact that they're not trying to you can trust them i guess is what more what i'm saying is that they're not trying to make themselves look the greatest we're trying to do this together 
and we're a team in more ways than one. So that's like the best part. I mean, I, I know this is like a podcast, but he's, he's right here. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. And we're just talking about you and your ears are burning. My gosh. I know he's right behind me. We work in the same room. <laughs> um, so that's, that, this is where, this is where we create inkblot together. And that's the exciting part. <laughs> so, uh, hi, Rusty, first and foremost. And um, by no means, so it, it was only kind of today that I realized that you guys were kind of cohabitating. So by no means were we trying to exclude him um, oh, in, in, in any capacity, but that's, that's actually hilarious that he's just uh, right well, around the corner there. We'll have to do another interview. Yes, 100%. We, we would love that. Um, if I can just take a moment to kind of switch the focus back on you for just a second. And would you mind just talking to me briefly about the influence that uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor had on your kind of early oh, career? Yeah, definitely. Well, this was kind of the moment in my life where I was figuring out that animation wasn't for me. Um, while I was in college, during the summer, I did an internship at DC Comics um, in the manufacturing. I was a manufacturing intern. I mean, like I proofread stuff and I corrected things before it went to printing. But this was really the moment where I was, you know, I found out how the comic book world worked and I was figuring out comic books in general, like what they really were to me and to this industry and everything. Um, and so like my, my boss, like as an intern, you know, I'm learning things and my boss wanted to make it fun for me. So he was like, all right, here is this giant omnibus to correct for me. And it was, uh, an omnibus of Jimmy and Amanda's Harley Quinn. It was so ginormous. And my boss was like, you can read it too, if you want. And I was, he was like, I think you'll like it. That's why I gave it to you. And I'm like, okay, I guess I will. So as I'm correcting these pages in Photoshop, I'm reading the stories as well. And it's, it was really the first time in mainstream comics where I saw a funny, weird, quirky, silly female protagonist. I wouldn't say superhero or supervillain because she's really both and neither at the same time. But it was really just something so different than what I was used to that superheroes were. And it, it was really just something that kind of like stuck in my head where I was like, hey, wait a second. Like you... I can make these characters whatever I want them to be. Like they can be crazy and silly and fun and weird and relatable um, to a lot of different people. So that was kind of like the wake up call where I was like, okay, comics can be cool. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, it was, it was just an exciting moment for me that I was, that was when I was really thinking, okay, comics may be, maybe for me mm -hmm. and it was specifically i remember it it was a giant omnibus and it was specifically that moment that i realized that i was like okay this might this might be it but then you know i spent another year thinking about it all this kind of stuff and then i went to the cuber school <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> happy ever after. No, no, and 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 like I said, I just I just think that that's such a cool story. Um, I also know that uh, another influence that that you mentioned um, was uh, was Glenn Keane and Claire Keane. Yes. Um, and for anyone who who might not know Glenn Keane, you probably recognize for designing Ariel uh, from The Little Ariel, Mermaid, if I'm not mistaken. Aladdin, The Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Um, he did a lot of the earlier Disney movies as well. So like the, the classic 90s Disney's that we all it's grew up with. What everyone knows nowadays. Yes. Yes. He probably had a hand in animating a lot of it. Um, and, and his daughter is, uh, is also an artist in her own right too. She worked on Tangled and <laughs> um, Frozen and she did a lot of like the character design and a and you know like in Tangled the paintings on the walls that you see that Rapunzel did she did all that. <laughs> oh, so I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm so sorry. I, I was just going to ask. I just, I mean, and and what people may or may not know as well is that Jimmy and Amanda were were married. So, um, you know, or, or are married, I shouldn't say were married. I just mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously Glenn, Glenn and Claire Keene. It, it seems that for whatever reason, either ironically or coincidentally, however you want to crack it up, some of your influences also seem to be family legacies in their own respective genre. Yeah. Is that an accident or? It's not really. I mean, Claire Keene, I really loved her work. Um, on a lot of the different movies. And I was really, I mean, I still am into a lot of children's illustrations. So she does a lot of children's books as well. And she's the daughter of Glenn Keane. And then Glenn Keane is the son of Bill Keane, who is, who did Family Circus, um, famous cartoonist. Um, I actually didn't know a lot of that when, you know, they were, I mean, they are still my favorites, but like, I, I, I didn't know a lot of it. And then when I found it out, I just thought it was a cool fun fact. Mm -hmm. But I guess, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just a coincidence that I take to all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a fun piece of trivial pursuit, if, uh, if nothing else. Um, again, just how while we're kind of loosely on the topic as well, um, I know that you've said in past interviews when you've kind of been asked who the biggest artistic influence was, shocker, you said it was, <laughs> was your father. Um, but another thing that I know that you've said and that many people may or may not know is that your mother is also quite a whiz with watercolors. Yes, yes, and, she Yeah, and I also think it's interesting that Willowbrook, your first kind of stab at, you know, putting your, your, your work out there is, is a, and I, I haven't read it, I've only seen kind of the Kickstarter images, yeah. I really tried, but it's a beautiful, beautiful watercolor kind of and I, I just think it's it's interesting that your father is is your biggest artistic influence but your first kind of foray is almost like an ode to your mother's style i mean i yeah a lot of people don't really know that my mom is a watercolor artist um in her own right i mean she doesn't do comics uh she's mm -hmm. more of a fine art painter um but I mean, growing up, she she was always painting in her studio, and then my dad was always drawing in his studio. So it was kind of like going back and forth. You see, the in between of that, and I've always wanted to meld the 
the two together. That's probably why I got more into coloring my own work. Um, not necessarily just in watercolor, but just in everything. I mean, I'm the colorist of Inkblot and I mostly color a lot of my work, but it's, I guess it just kind of melded together. I mean, it really was for Willowbrook. It was a combination. I was looking for that sort of, you know, comics from dad and painting from mom, but mm. it was, I, I want to make something more like that. Mm. I would say that's like a goal to really reach for is to create like a watercolor comic and make it look really good. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, from from the images that I've seen on the on the Kickstarter, I would definitely be anxious to to give that a read, to to say the least. Um, better though. <laughs> better. Well, again, right? Because I know that you've said you're kind of the the eternal perfectionist. You don't read reviews because even if it's a positive review, you look at it as like, well, I can do better. I, it, oh, yeah. It's not good enough. I can't handle reviews at all. I can't stand it. Even if someone says, you know, like this part is fine, but the rest is amazing. I'll just focus on that fine part and I want it to be amazing like the rest. It just doesn't, I just don't do well listening to those kinds of reviews. I mean, I really appreciate it that a lot of people do put out reviews, um, especially on Inkblot, which is amazing, but it's just a personal thing with me that I just, I can't do it. I have to have my own drive inside of me. If I'm affected by the outside world, it's like, it's over. <laughs> you know? No, yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean... Well, oh, I was just going to say, like, just to add to it, that I had a question from another interview um, asking if I responded to like crowds like if I responded to an audience saying they want something or whatever and I say no not at all like <laughs> I don't respond to any fandom or anything if that if there's a giant fandom that emerges for inkblot and they want specific things I'm gonna be like no <laughs> and it's mostly just because I just I think it's important to have my own drive because Usually what I come up with myself is what I'm most passionate about and that's what makes it good. And that's what makes people, a lot of people like it. So if I start listening to reviews, if I start listening to other people, it just, the magic's gone for me. It just doesn't work. <laughs> no. And I, and I can completely understand that. I think, you know, when you look at the best artists, regardless of what the medium is, you would be making comics and, and drawing whether or not people were reading them or not. So yes. I, I think what you're saying is the fact that people like it is fantastic, but it isn't what is essentially driving you to pick up a pencil at the end of the day. Exactly. I mean, you can't, you can't be a comic book artist and not love what you do. That's, you can't sit in a chair for 10 hours a day drawing and not love it. That's, that's ridiculous if you do that because mm -hmm. that's a lot of sitting <laughs> that, is, that is hopefully you have a comfy chair if you hate it that much because yeah right <laughs> <laughs> now um one thing i also wanted to just mention because you have talked um just in the past and, and i i couldn't agree more just how we need to 
you know, and we, we talked about inclusivity, but one thing that I really liked is that you said that you'd love to see more women, more women, excuse me, given the opportunity to write and draw for male characters, like, like yeah. Batman, Superman, Definitely. Wolverine, who, whatever. So I guess one thing that I kind of wanted to ask, if you were given the opportunity to draw any male superhero of your choosing or to, or to write for any male superhero of your choosing, who, who would it be and why? Probably Superman. Mm -hmm. um, and for Marvel, it would be Thor. Uh, mostly because... I would say it's mostly because, one, it's a challenge for me. I mean, if a lot of people see my artwork, I'm more geared towards drawing women and drawing, like, strong female women. So for me, on a personal level, drawing Superman... Or writing for Superman would be a bit more of a challenge but on another level it's kind of like it came around full circle I mean I said you know when I was younger that I didn't really take to superheroes but then later on I mean I have a huge appreciation for them and I really do love these characters that were established like what like how many years ago? A long time ago. 80 <laughs> years ago, yeah, something like that. Something like that. And it's just amazing that these characters have lasted that long in general. So to be able to add to that would be incredible. And it's just kind of, it's, it's just kind of like an ode to my appreciation for them now, like that I got it later on. I think... I think that would be, it would be Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to draw a Clark Kent story. <laughs> hey, yeah. And um, judging by the latest post on your Instagram, I would completely agree with you because the, uh, <laughs> the, the Superman Poison Ivy that you just did earlier today was pretty impressive to say the least. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're quite welcome. Um, another thing that I just wanted to kind of go back to, because you did mention it earlier, and, I, and I've heard you kind of stress this in almost every interview I've seen you do. You always, <laughs> you always make this point, and you say that you are writing and creating stories that you want your 12-year-old self oh, yeah. to be kind of inspired by, to be able to enjoy. Mm -hmm. I would also think that you now being at the point in your career, you maybe might be thinking that one day some other 12 year old girl might be going into a bookstore, seeing a cover, you know, ink blot on a shelf or, or another book or title with your name on it. And I guess, have you thought of, or, or what, what do you think about the prospect of inspiring a new generation of young, young, young women, young boy, like it doesn't like young, young creators, I guess is what I'm saying. That's I mean, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to, not only do I want to create for my younger self, but I think the point of comics is to, to gear it towards children. I mean, that's how comics started. You would sell comics to children, and then those children grew up and started collecting them, but you have to bring in the new generation of kids. And that's kind of what I've been seeing in this industry is that we're not necessarily bringing in that new generation or we're not really seeing a way to connect with that new generation and I mean now like now people are starting to get it like oh you know kids they like graphic novels so now we're gonna start making graphic novels but it's it's kind of like it 
I want to, I want to contribute to it, you know, like I, I want to be a part of bringing in the new generation of comics because I just kind of feel like I missed out a little bit when I was younger. I just, there wasn't really a lot for me. So I just went against it until like 19, 20 years old. And I missed out on a lot. I mean, I missed out on a lot of cool stories that I could have read when I was young that I could have been inspired by. And it's, and it's upsetting to me when I think about that, you know, there wasn't that inclusion. There wasn't that sort of like, like let's bring in that new generation when I was younger. So I think it's really important to do that, I guess. Sometimes I can't find the word for something I'm thinking of, but I just, I just think that's a really important thing to remember in an industry is like the big picture. And we are in comics, we're in media and we're the storytellers. I mean, us, movies, books, music, all things creative, you know, we're telling a story to the masses. We're telling a story to everyone that they can learn from, that they can take, that they can be inspired by. And that's something that really speaks to me is that like, that's what makes us human is learning from these stories and, and being inspired by them and just taking it and I don't know how to end this sentence, but no, that, I was going to say, I was going to say I, very just, well put. I'm just trying to give back, I guess, in that way. But I'm also just very passionate about it. I, I love creating those kinds of stories just because they are so inclusive and they are really for everyone. I mean, when I picked up a young adult graphic novel, it's not just for me at 20 something years old, it's for the teen, you know, that also feels like that way that it's for the older adult that feels that way. It's for everyone, you know, and that's, that's kind of something that I've always wanted to do is I wanted to tell stories that everyone would be into. And I think Inkblot is that, I mean, if you like fantasy and maybe cats, if you can stand them. (laughs) <laughs> no I, I i couldn't agree with you i couldn't agree with you more i i definitely think that ink plot accomplishes that and and more and <laughs> interestingly enough um issue number two is hitting shelves on october 7th there are whispers of elves and haunted caves abound but what could you maybe perhaps tell us that we don't know, or, or if you can't spoil it or don't want to, is there anything that we can maybe look forward to? Don't want to spoil it, but it's <laughs> really, really good. It's actually me and Rusty's, like, it's it's one of our favorites that we've done so far. So it's, it's a really fun uh, read, I would say, and it expands upon the world a little tiny bit more. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, as a total fan question, will there be more of the Living Castle, perhaps? Yes. Okay. So basically, with Inkblot, we want it to run for a very long time. So make sure you buy the single issues so that we can keep buy going. <laughs> um, but 
this world that we're creating, it's not just one world, it's seven worlds, and they're ever expanding with all of the creatures and the characters and the adventures that we want this little cat to go on, and all of the mystery around our main character to unravel. So, just buy the book, and, oh. <laughs> and I hope you like it. <laughs> I definitely don't think that we'll have to worry about that. That, um, and I just had to ask because of all the kind of imagery in the first issue. That, like, first, like, I think it's on, like, literally on, like, the third page or something like that. Like the first shot of the living castle. I just, I was like, wow. Like, if you took like Triton and Ariel's underwater <laughs> castle and mixed it with like Morpheus from the Dreamings, like cottage home and mashed them together. It's this beautiful amalgamation of the two. And it's just like nothing I've ever seen before. I just loved that so much. Oh, I'm happy you do. And there's, there's a lot that goes into the living castle too. Um, a lot of, there's just so much lore that we've created that goes into Inkblot that Every single detail that we draw in it, there's something for it, you know? You'll, like, we want you guys to unravel this story as it goes along, bit by bit, with us. And just enjoy your time with this weird little cat. <laughs> and then unravel the whole giant mystery around it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Wanted to make it more like, you know, like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones-esque, Wheel of Time, which is like a really long book series. Um, yeah, just, just we want you to make the connections and we want to expand and create and have you guys enjoy. <laughs> and I don't think there's any... any problem with that moving forward and I love how you've said too I, I remember you mentioning everything is intentional nothing is is accidental so if you see something that you think is maybe sticking out then you're probably right so I thought that was that was interesting to note as well <laughs> now honestly the last thing that I will bother you for and then uh, and then we'll say goodbye and we'll let you guys get on with your afternoon <laughs> but I, you know, you, you've mentioned it a few times and it, it, in, in our discussion and, and in the past that, you know, young adult culture has had a huge influence, not only on you, but on Inkblot itself. So I just thought you being the young adult expert that I could maybe fire a few rapid fire questions at you and just sort of see where you fell um, on, on these kind of discussions. Okay. So, first, to start things off, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the original series, or Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the Netflix remake? Which one are you binge-watching first? I'm for the original series all the way. Melissa Joan Hart is like a silly love to my heart, and Salem talking is the best part. So, I think the remake... It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, we'll leave it there. All right. Fair enough. I won't put anything down, but I would say OG Sabrina is my heart. Like that's my, one of my favorite TV shows. So it's just, it's silly magic fun. And that's exactly what I like. <laughs> Perfect. Powerpuff Girls or Sailor Moon? That's a hard one. Okay. I would just say Powerpuff Girls just because I more grew up with them rather than Sailor Moon, but I do like Sailor Moon too. 
Fair enough. I, I, I'm a big fan of both too. So like I said, I, I can understand. Um, what else? Who is Buffy's one true love, Angel or Spike? Neither. I don't like either of them. Ooh. <laughs> I know every, I just, uh, I hate all the boys in that show except for Giles. I gotta be honest. They hey, all, nothing wrong with Giles. I love Giles, but I just get so annoyed with the rest of them. It, it's just like, uh, they all want to protect Buffy, but she's the, the slayer. She's the strong one. Uh, I don't get it. I get I'm, very about Buffy. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that Tara and Willow was the romance that stole that series. Oh, so. That is like the prime romance of this series. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Could not agree more. Now, this one might be a little bit tough. Who okay. would win in a wizarding duel between Albus Dumbledore or Gandalf the Grey? I knew you were going to ask Rusty that. No question. Rusty yeah. says Gandalf. <laughs> and I knew he would answer Gandalf. <laughs> I kind of have to agree, though. I would say Gandalf, probably. Like, I do like Albus, but I, he's, yeah, not he's, he's not an angel. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that one sparked, that one was a little heated there from the, from the back row. <laughs> He gets really sassy about it, too. That was a stupid question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> and the last, the last thing that I will ask you today is, what is your favorite Harry Potter book and why? I would say the second one, um, just because I love The Chamber of Secrets. Um, I also like the seventh one because I like that everything comes together in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like the Deathly Hollows. I like the, I liked the animation in the movies for the Deathly Hollows story, and I like just the story in general in the books. Uh, but I always liked the creepier parts <laughs> of yeah. Harry Potter. I don't know why, why I take to the creepier parts and like young adult stuff, but I, I do <laughs> for some reason. I just think it's cooler when it gets scary. <laughs> Chamber of Secrets was definitely dark. The Basilisk, yeah. yeah. Like I read it when I was, I think, like thirteen or something, and I was, I had to read the whole thing in like one night because I was so terrified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can relate with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, Emma Kubert, that brings us to the end of our discussion today. I just want to again thank you so much for taking the time for speaking with me today and. Just wishing you both nothing but the best. Well, thank you for having me, and I hope me and Rusty can come back. <laughs> I, hey, we, we are definitely going to make that happen, and we will be speaking with you soon, and we'll be following along an inkblot, to say the least. And make sure, for everyone, go out tomorrow and get the second printing, that Andy Kubert cover. Watch out for your local comic book store on October 7th and get issue number two. Nice. <laughs>